This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Try Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost, built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, incredible load times, and 24-7 WordPress priority support, your sites will be lightning fast with global reach. And with Bluehost Cloud, your sites can handle surges in traffic no matter how big. Plus, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. Get started now at Bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to Out With Susie Ruffle. This is Series 3, Episode 15. Before we begin, I want to thank you so, so much, all of you that got in touch after last week's episode with Lady Phil. It seems that lots of you were fangirling her. It wasn't just me. Uh, what an incredible woman. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, I highly recommend it. I think she's phenomenal and it was such a joy to talk to her. So uh, thanks to those of you that got in touch about that. I also noticed that we've got lots of new um reviews i say lots we've got a few new reviews on um apple on the podcast app if that's something uh, you do please do it for this podcast i'd love more people to find the podcast so we can continue making the podcast it really does help more people find it and lots of you have been tweeting about the show and instagramming about the show and yeah i just want you to know that's really really appreciated I'm excited to share today's episode. It's been something that quite a few people have got in touch and asked for, um, a conversation with someone from the ACE community. So I'm really delighted to be sharing that with you all today. But as always, some listener emails. Uh, A lot of you say that this is one of your favourite bits of the podcast. So I'm delighted that I get to share other people's stories. Hi Susie, I discovered your podcast at the beginning of the year as a Spotify recommendation. Thanks Spotify. I bought my first house in November and have been listening to this fantastic podcast as I decorate said house. Congratulations on buying your house. I will now stop interrupting you, I promise. I recognise some of the names, but have thoroughly enjoyed every episode. Listening to the diverse stories of such wonderful people and being able to relate in so many ways, from the very intense female friendships, to fancying PE teachers, to just never quite being like the others. I've just turned 25 and have been out as a gay woman since I was 19. Prior to this came many years of questioning, doubt and internalised homophobia that many people on your podcast have described. I have a straight cisgendered family, workplace and friendship group, but I have one amazing friend who's a gay woman and she just gets me. Because of this, people in my life try to understand, but don't most of the time. The borderline homophobic comments and questions they make can be hard work. My family accept me as gay but struggle with it and have ongoing concerns that I may never give my parents grandchildren or that I will die alone is ever present. I think the ultimate test will be when I bring my first proper girlfriend home. As I've got older and have a better understanding of myself, I feel that my gender is not what I've always been told it is. So currently I'm trying to work that out. Listening to the episodes of people who are not cisgendered have made me feel that it's okay that I don't feel I completely fit with being a cis woman and that I can still do awesome things despite this. This is a new self-admission only to my one awesome friend and now you. 
I feel that coming out as anything other than cis would be a massive struggle for the people around me, so for now it stays hidden, other than my more masculine clothing. I want to thank you for making this podcast as it's helped me a lot and I know if it existed when I was a teenager it would have prevented many years of confusion, denial and mental health struggles. I look forward to more episodes in the future. If you do happen to read this out then it's okay to use my name. Thank you Leanne, thank you so much for getting in touch. I'm so pleased that the podcast has helped you in some way and that you feel that you feel seen and that you feel heard. I think it's really important that we see others out there in the world that are like us and just listening to other stories um, can really help that and it's you know I've said it before on the podcast it's the reason that I make the podcast is because I wish this existed when I was a teenager so in some strange way I'm in this sort of cupboard office space in my flat making a podcast for I mean who I was 15 years ago Uh, who am I kidding 20 years ago but um, yeah if it's feeling positive for you then that's and that's brilliant that's exactly what I hoped it would be and talking of feeling seen in the world it's really worth noting that um, May Martin's brilliant series Feel Good has the second series dropping on Netflix this week it's absolutely brilliant if you haven't seen it before you must it's so brilliant um, I love May and the work that they make yeah and I just think they're brilliant okay let's move on to another listener email Hi Susie, I hope you're feeling well and safe. I've been listening to your podcast since it started and it quickly became a firm favourite. I'm writing to say thank you, both to yourself for putting together such an amazing podcast, but also to the fellow listener who wrote in about their asexual experience, whose email you read out at the beginning of Bethany Black's episode. I've known I wasn't straight since I was about 12, when I went to the cinema to see Pirates of the Caribbean and fancied Kira Knightley as much as I fancied Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp. I spent most of my teenage years battling with internalised homophobia, but finally became comfortable with my same-sex attraction when I was about 19. The only thing I was still confused by was my lack of sexual desire towards any sex. I had heard of asexuality before, but I always thought it could only apply to people who had never had sex because they didn't want to. I didn't realise this wasn't the case until I heard that particular listener email, at which point I had to pause the podcast for a moment, as I'd never heard anyone else with feelings and experiences so similar to mine. Like this fellow listener, I'd had sex in the past with both men and women, and whilst these encounters have been fine, I've never really been in a rush to repeat the experience. I have no sexual frustration or longing. I'm also totally with them on the idea of waking up each morning with the same person. It sounds horrendous. I've spent the last 10 years identifying as bisexual, even though it hasn't felt right, as I thought this was the closest fit to how I felt. However, since listening to that episode, I've been doing what research I can online. There really doesn't seem to be much out there, and recently came across the term on the Trevor Project website, which feels much more suited to me. Biromantic. This is a term used by some in the asexual community to describe their physical and romantic attraction to both genders without tying a sexual aspect to it. Though completely new to me, it already feels like a much better fit. I would like to end this email with my sincere thanks again to the person who felt comfortable enough to contact you with their own experience and also for you for creating such a wonderful platform that has made sharing these relatable and uplifting stories possible. I'll be turning 30 in a few months time and starting a new decade with an increased feeling of self-acceptance and comfort is a pretty great gift. All the best. If this is chosen as one you'd like to A, then you're more than welcome to use my name, Lisa. And also, um, if you're listening, the person who wrote in whose email I shared on Bethany Black's episode, um, this listener, Lisa, would love to give 
you a massive thanks um, as what you shared was greatly appreciated. And it feels, Lisa, like this this email has been has been waiting in my inbox to share today because today I have a a brilliant interview with um, Yasmin Benoit, who is an asexual activist. And I really enjoyed this conversation. I felt that I learned so much and um, I have such a greater understanding. So massive thanks to her for that. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I am very excited for today's guests, and I know that lots and lots of our listeners are going to be too. In fact, I've received many, many emails over the past couple of months asking me to include someone from today's community, obviously part of our community, but to highlight this specifically. Yasmin Benoit is a British fashion model, asexual activist and writer. She's written for British GQ, Huffington Post, The Metro, Refinery29, Teen Vogue and Cosmopolitan. At just 18, she began modelling with a goal of diversifying the fashion industry and has become one of the UK's most prominent black alternative models. What a joy it is to have her with us today. Welcome to the show, Yasmin. Thank you so much for having me. What a, what a pleasure to chat to you. How are you doing? Let's start there. That's a, that's a good place to start. I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm, today is going to be my first day out of the house this week. I'm trying to make sure I go outside at least like once a week so I don't go totally stir crazy. So I think today is going to be that day. So I'm pretty much just chilling and working at home and playing a lot of Sims 4, really. Okay. <laughs> so, um... Let's start off because many of our listeners will have a, a really good understanding of what asexuality is and what being aromantic is. But um, I really don't want to explain that on your behalf or on anyone's behalf from the asexual community. So could you could you explain what it means to you? Um, so being asexual means experiencing little to no levels of sexual attraction and being aromantic is the same thing, but for romantic attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, that you don't, for me, I just happen to be both, but you don't necessarily have to be both. There are aromantic people who aren't asexual, asexual people who aren't aromantic. So. Okay. And so what would that look like? Someone, just that I'm getting this correct. If you're someone that is asexual, but you're not aromantic, it means you could feel romantic attraction to somebody but you still wouldn't have any sexual desire for them yeah so there are asexual people i know asexual couples or asexual people who are married or asexual people who are attracted to men or women or non-binary people all that kind of stuff and and then there are aromantic people who just don't feel romantic attraction but they still feel sexual attraction so it all look or probably just think they have commitment issues but that isn't necessarily what's going on there right okay and so were you someone when you were growing up I guess, I don't know whether I experienced experienced any sort of sexual attraction to anyone before I hit puberty or, you know, around that time. So was it for you at that time that you realised that you didn't have much sexual attraction or didn't have any sexual attraction? Yeah, I mean, I kind of realised I was asexual when everyone else seemed to realise that they weren't. I feel like there was a kind of like a content period where everyone was just playing with their Lego and just kind of like just minding their own business. And then all of a sudden... I would say like kind of like late primary school, like just before everyone went to secondary school, like hormones seemed to kick in and then girls were like fighting over boys and it became a thing. And you were like, can we still just play with the Lego? Yeah. Can we just get back to the Lego guys? It was like people were like going out with each other and they fancied each other. And I'm like, we're 11. What does this mean? And it, my, my experience just didn't change from that. And I assumed mm-hmm. it would. 
But then kind of like the older you get, the more you kind of realize, okay, people are experiencing this differently to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was kind of just when you start to notice, okay, there, there might be something going on here. Yeah, because I guess for uh, someone that's gay or homosexual or a lesbian or however you want to, or, or someone that's non-binary or trans, I guess to some degree the, maybe less so with non-binary, but to some degree the language felt like, like I knew that there was some language that described how I felt. But I feel like whilst, of course, aromantic or asexual people have existed for, I'm sure, forever, was it hard for you to find those words? Yeah, I mean, I kind of just made up my own. Okay, for, great. <laughs> for a while, not in the sense that I came up with a whole new lingo, but I would just kind of be like, oh, I'm not interested or oh, I'm kind of not really doing that, not really on my radar, I'm not about that life. Like, I was just going to put every phrase I could think of when people inevitably asked me about it until I was about 15 and someone finally like mentioned the word asexual during one of my daily sexuality quizzes which people would always give me because they were trying to work me out more than I was oh really what like at school like so are you gay are you this are you that are you do you you like him do you like her like yeah and I mean I went to an all-girls school by choice most people kind of felt like they had been put into a nunnery or something that was kind of like the vibe but for me I volunteered to go there because by the time I was 11 I thought this whole this whole like sexual tension going on is awkward I feel like we could minimize that by going to a single sex school and that kind of wasn't true because the girls felt deprived of boys and therefore I think they were like hornier than they would have been otherwise um and so it became more obvious that I wasn't reacting the same way everyone else was. And therefore people were like, so what's going on with her? Do you think she's gay? Like, (laughs) what is it? And so people would always like kind of quiz me or test me or try and work out what was going on there. I'm impressed by the fact by 11, you were like, I want to get away from this sort of sexual <laughs> It sounds like you were very sort of a smart together 11 year old, which is very impressive. Yeah, I always have a very low tolerance. It was like a good, <laughs> a good like one year of, of puberty. And I was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> uh, I'm done with this. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And so is it something that, I mean, I've, I've read loads of your writing this week and it's really worth pointing out to uh, listeners that if you go on Yasmin's website, you, there's heaps and heaps of writing, which is brilliant, articulate, funny. But, but reading about, you went to uni and I know that you're a model as well. And it was interesting reading your stuff and saying that when you were being photographed, the photographers would say things like, pretend it's your boyfriend, look at me like I'm your, <laughs> your boyfriend, which you had to just sort of ignore because you didn't want to create some sort of awkwardness or you didn't want to have that conversation with someone. Like I haven't had a boyfriend. I don't know how I'd look at one, but. <laughs> yeah. And so was there always this niggling feeling like, oh, I'm going to have to come out or I'm going to have to say this publicly in a way so that I can not have photographers say that to me? I mean, for me, it was more, I mean, shoots are kind of so short that it's like, I feel like you can kind of just like work your way through that one. But it was more in the sense of, I was like, it feels weird to kind of sit around and complain and be like, oh, I do not see any asexual representation. Like, where are the Black asexual people at? Like, and then I'm sitting here with a platform not doing anything. So I was like, okay, I might as well just say something, anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think we would care, otherwise I would have said it like years before that. But yeah, so I just kind of mentioned it on YouTube mm-hmm. and I mentioned it on Instagram and, and then people kind of started caring and then the moment momentum kind of built 
Kind of, well, I mean, at first I wasn't, re I just kind of threw it out there and I didn't really do much, but then I kind of did a few things later on and then it just kind of happened all at once. Right. Was that in the YouTube video, um, Things You Shouldn't Say to Asexual People? Yeah, which is like my first YouTube video. So right. <laughs> I guess you just dropped that and then like left YouTube for ages. Like I was like, that's all I wanted to say. Bye-bye. Um, <laughs> Um, so what what are those things for people that haven't seen it or aren't aware of of what you shouldn't say? I mean, it was just kind of me repeating just like kind of dumb stuff people say, um, like like from people like, oh, so you reproduce with yourself like a flower, and I'm like, I'm not <laughs> superhuman, why would I be able to do that? This is like X Men. If you could do that, I think that's where I would have started the interview. I think I would have got to that bit first. <laughs> I know it was like you really think like do you think I'm just like breaking like some kind of human standard of being able to do that or just kind of I don't know, like people just say a lot of really like dumb weird stuff or like the first question people always ask is oh do you masturbate oh did you get molested as a kid like people just kind of come out with like the kind of stuff you wouldn't usually say to somebody but they think that because you said you're asexual it's kind of okay to go there I think that often straight cis people might think that it's okay to sort of also ask really probing questions to gay people about like so are you a bottom and you're like you don't just ask about <laughs> people's sex life like that's so rude <laughs> I know I kind of like to turn it around people kind of start asking right like I like to just throw it back at them and just feel like oh you're uncomfortable see yeah <laughs> isn't it weird when people just do that yeah absolutely it's like because you are outside this box that people are, want to put you within it feels like well I'll use you as my sort of learning tool and ask you all the questions but obviously that's a rude and b bang out of order so was it then that you, when you sort of started talking about, you know, realizing that you had this platform, certainly as a black person as well, wanting to sort of get uh, your your point of view and your feelings and your your words out into the world, was that when you were like, oh well, I guess I'm moving towards being an activist? Or, or did you like the word activist? I've had people on before when they're like, ah, I don't, I feel uncomfortable about that. Or oh, I guess being an activist was sort of thrust upon me because I speak out and it's a word that people use. Do you like that word? I mean, I was very much like, I had no idea what I was kind of getting myself into. Really? <laughs> and so like, I didn't know that I, I, I didn't know activists. I didn't know activism was really a thing. I don't, like I live in Reading. I had only, I didn't really know the kind of like, that there was this whole like scene, especially in London of like LGBTQ plus people that literally have a job talking about stuff. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know mm -hmm. people paid to listen to people talk about stuff. <laughs> so I was just kind of like, I know it, it was something where I kind of started going to some events and then I was kind of like looking at the people I was around and I was like, ah, oh, you guys call yourself activists. Okay. Is that what I'm doing right now? Is that what this is? And then, I mean, I like, I joined Twitter pretty late. I joined Twitter in like 2019. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of saw people like talking about me and being like, yeah, she's like the ace queen. She's our ace icon. She's our favorite actress. And I was like, oh, is that what I'm doing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this where we're at? Okay. Now I feel like I need to kind of 
step up and like because apparently I'm kind of already doing that I guess I just wasn't entirely aware of like how of the label other people were perceiving it so I just kind of stumbled into it really I wanted to ask about the word ace because that's something that that is a, the community used to describe themselves sort of the, the shortened version mm-hmm. and have you found that there is because I was really maybe and you know I'm so willing to be like I'm totally naive and I'm constantly learning but I was quite surprised how many people got in touch with me from this podcast asking about representation of someone from the ace community or an asexual person once you sort of started sort of dipping your toes into activism or realizing that that's what you were doing were you surprised by how big that community is yeah to be honest I mean I've I've encountered a lot of things during this process I mean I didn't even know podcasts were really a thing until like last year people started asking me welcome podcast okay (laughs) it's like wow this is actually like a really popular thing I mean, I didn't meet, I mean, I'd kind of, I'd met some asexual people like at prides and stuff. Cause I, I kind of went to my local pride. I've been going there since I was like 14. I've been to London pride twice. And the second time I was invited as a VIP and the first time I was just turning up. I was still kind of like learning about actually kind of being around people in real life. And mm-hmm. I went to my first asexual conference when I was speaking at it. And when they were filming a documentary there. So I kind of just got introduced to everything like kind of at the same time. And that was when I was like, oh, wow, there's like loads of people here. I never seen so many asexual people before. And thank God you're all pretty normal. I was wondering what people would actually be like when they're not just like avatars on the internet and usernames. Like what did you actually look like? Like, who are you people? And even then I was like, I remember I, I had like a black ring and everyone was like, oh, you have an ace ring. And I was like, do I? Is this a black ring? But then it's like, I'm still, I'm just stumbling through. I was like, yeah, I totally know what that was. I totally got that <laughs> reference. Like I'm down of all the things we're talking about, but I had no idea. It's definitely been a, a learning experience, <laughs> actually interacting with the community more so than I ever have done in my life. I think that's a great thing as well to highlight. And I think it's something that like loads of the guests of the podcast before have said, like if you sort of fall outside of that sort of heteronormative cis area that it can feel quite isolating when you're growing up like oh I'm the only person that feels like this but actually you know the older you get and the more access you have to not only stuff like the internet but actually visiting places and going places you realize oh there's lots of people that have experiences like me yeah I think that the weird thing with the asexual community is that we don't actually have a lot of in real life spaces I think I'm just lucky that I that I'm I'm in Reading it's not far from London the ACE conference just happened to be in London and I happened to be in close proximity to some pretty big prides. But Mm -hmm. if I wasn't, then there was a good chance I might not have met anybody. Um, I mean, when I did the ACE of Clubs kind of events in London last, not last year, 2019. And the ACE of Clubs is like a... Yeah, it was like a bar. I kind of did like an asexual bar that Budweiser was sponsoring because they were sponsoring Pride that year. And that was like the first asexual space at a Pride event to like ever happen at London Pride. And I was doing it. A lot of people, like, this is the first time I've ever seen an asexual person before in real life. Like this is the first time people like my age and older, like I've never met anybody. And that's like not uncommon for people to be like, 
I've never met someone before because mm -hmm. we don't really have spaces and there aren't really, unless you just happen to be in the right kind of area, you're, you might not find many events. If your local pride, if you don't really have a pride or you don't have asexual people that happen to go to it, then there's a good chance you might never meet another openly asexual person. So I feel like a lot of our community kind of exists and navigates online. And mm -hmm. I think that while that's a good thing, I was thinking there's something very weird about never meeting someone in your community in real life ever, um, which I think is definitely a common asexual experience. That's really interesting. I mean, it, and it's one of those things, isn't it? Like you, you can sort of go around the houses being like, is Twitter for good or for bad? Like, is it, <laughs> if you're weighing the scale. Good or like, evil. <laughs> yeah, like what is it? I would certainly say that one of the pros, I think there are lots of cons, but one of the pros is that it does help you sort of find a community and sort of navigate your way around that. But I think you're so right. I think actually... You know, there's lots of things that you can do online and there's and it can feel very immersive being online, but there's nothing quite like actually seeing someone and being like, oh, we're kind of the same or we experience something really similar. That's really, I don't know, it's really human for us to be together and for us to have this conversation. It's uh, really affirming that we both exist. And, and it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to sort of do that just on the Internet. Looping around to sort of your other line of work of, of being a model which is, I love, I've like looked at quite a lot of the shoots and stuff that you've done and like the <laughs> alternative stuff that you do. It's really cool. Thank you. Uh, it's really cool stuff. I've read a really interesting article uh, that you wrote about sort of people not being able to get their head around the fact that you do quite a lot of lingerie shoots hmm. and you're asexual. Yeah. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about that? I mean, I think it's just kind of this old idea of you're looking nice. You have to be doing it with the intention of, of, sexually attracting people because you're sexually attracted to them or people find you sexually attractive then you have to experience sexual attraction or some kind of like weird thing that means that if I do the slightest thing people are like oh you're asexual so why have you got your hair done why are you wearing makeup why don't you look like a potato it's like really weird that people kind of yeah, still have those ideas I think it's just kind of like an old sexism thing but it's <laughs> it's definitely something that kind of people try to use as like a weird rebuttal yeah. Whereas like, and it, I know, and it also kind of showed me that I think people, I mean, I, I just, when I see a, a model, I'm just like, you know, she's just advertising a product, but I think some people really, or at least maybe they're just being deliberately obtuse, but they've tried to like really impart an idea like, yeah, this model must want me. Like, this is what's going on in this place. Like she's getting paid to stand there. That's all she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want you, she doesn't even know you. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know what fantasy you think we're ruining here, but she's probably standing there thinking, God, I want to eat something when this <laughs> yeah. is done. That's what's happening on that set. Nothing sexual is happening there. But yeah, that is just something that like I get and I get it kind of in real life and you also get it a lot on the internet, especially on Twitter. <laughs> good, evil, good, evil. <laughs> yeah. I guess what is the thing that you want um, with regards to sort of the visibility of asexual people? Is it that there's more of a role for asexual people at stuff like Pride? And it's something that is because I some people got in touch early on in the podcast and said, could you please say LGBTQIA plus rather than LGBT plus? And then ever, since that since that email <laughs> came in, I have made an effort every single time and often will go, sorry, let me do that again. LGBTQIA plus. <laughs> Just because I, I really want everyone to feel like that they're all included, I guess is is one of the aims 
to have more of a presence in those sort of queer environments? Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of them. There is, there's kind of a lot of them. I think asexuality has been excluded from almost everything. So we have a lot of uh, inclusion to work on, but I think that queer spaces is definitely one of them. And I didn't really realize how much of a like debate surrounded that until, you know, I joined Twitter and I started like spending more time on social media. Cause as I mentioned, I've been going to Pride since I was like 14. That's the first time I saw an asexual flag, saw asexual people. Didn't cross my mind that there would be any kind of debate about whether or not I was supposed to be there or not. Mm -hmm. And it was just one of, one of those weird things where I'd physically be in all these spaces and then I would post about it online and then get people commenting saying, you're not LGBT, you can't be there. It's like, well, I was, just there so <laughs> I, I don't know what you're trying to tell me and then there's like there's kind of like debates about it and around pride 2019 people are writing think pieces about it or thinking that asexual people are trying to come in and like desexualize everything and take over and all this kind of stuff it's interesting because i feel like our perspectives of sexuality are definitely a lot more broad nowadays and it's kind of like it seems counterproductive to me to pretty much say the only thing that qualifies a kind of non-heteronormative identity has to be like a kind of, like a very blatant sexual, active sexuality. Mm -hmm. And kind of saying like, we can't even discuss queer sexualities that that just kind of aren't fitting this very rigid box. It kind of seems like the opposite of what we're kind of trying to do there. I think that asexuality adds a very interesting perspective of human sexuality, which I think is beneficial to all communities. And the asexual community overlaps with the LGBTQIA plus community a lot in the sense that there are asexual people who are homoromantic and they're dating like the same gender and there are trans asexual people and... And so, yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's important to kind of integrate those things. And it also, I think it's a very bad look when like, I'm when you're just like online and then you have people from within a community that's talking about like inclusion and acceptance and then they're like throwing hate at, at other oh. people because they don't have fit the sexual standards. <laughs> it kind of makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's why a lot of the time uh, online can feel like a bit of a hellscape. You know, that, that comes up with a lot of sort of debates that, that are happening constantly about who should be in this inclusive club. And it's like, well, because it's inclusive, it kind of means everyone, guys. Like, yeah. that's what it is. And it's often people, I find it's often people that are trying to squash us all into this box that then aren't sort of willing to do the extra work to understand that it's really varied and interesting inside this box, but they're having like their big opinions on what a queer lifestyle should look like uh, without actually being part of it or knowing anyone within that community. I've got a question for you. So obviously it's something that like I've learned about, as I've mentioned whilst doing the podcast, how can I be... I know I don't know if this is a question if you don't want to answer this this is totally fine because I don't want to feel like I'm asking you to teach me but at the same time I'm kind of wondering how I can be an ally to sort of people within the asexual community um well I mean doing things like this is, is a pretty good very good way to start kind of helping to amplify asexual voices and be mm -hmm. inclusive and to kind of spread that kind of message. I always say, I think there's something that could just be done like in people's like daily lives is just being more 
considerate in the way you talk about sexuality because sometimes mm. like like when, when people are talking and they kind of and they phrase sexuality as being like and by sexuality I'm talking about like the kind of experiencing sexual attraction wanting to have sex with different people kind of sexuality as being like this essential fundamental thing and like a, like almost like oxygen and when you and when you do that then it, it's kind of alienating for asexual people because you're kind of saying that you're you're missing something very essential to the human experience and you're doing something that's very unnatural because this is the most natural thing that you need to be doing um so i think just kind of being considerate of the way you discuss sexuality in general mm-hmm. and i think that it's kind of often phrases being you like this or you like this and that is it instead of being like and some people aren't really into either of those things and that that's also cool because mm-hmm. i whenever i, I kind of talk to people they're like oh yeah in hindsight someone's asking me for advice on this thing and i said that he was this and maybe he was just asexual and maybe i should have thought about that instead of saying oh well you're going to ruin your relationship if you don't do this so gotta do that and just kind of like yes yeah, being kind of more inclusive in that way because then that will probably have like a knock-on effect and the next person will be like oh maybe i should bring that up next time someone asks me about that or mm-hmm. consider that experience at that perspective and it just kind of helps to normalize it in general mm-hmm. um and just kind of make it part of a normal conversation about normal sexuality because it is just a normal part of sexuality yeah absolutely the, the question I ask everybody at the end of the podcast is what advice would you give now for a while I was saying the advice it had to be um if you could like ring yourself as a child and like or a teenager and give them a bit of advice but when I was interviewing Gokwan about it he was like I don't like that because if I had rung me I wouldn't be me because I would have changed everything that I did because I'd been given this advice so if like Gok you don't like it <laughs> and you could ring you know someone that is maybe feeling similar to how you did at 14 when you were saying like you know everyone at school is like the girls are going crazy with their hormones about the guys and asking you if you're gay all the time or ask, would you like this? Do you like that? If you could give a little bit of advice to maybe someone that's feeling similar to how you did then, what would you say? Uh, I, well, first I want to say, I, I love it that you interview people like Gokwan and then you have me. I appreciate being, hey. <laughs> I appreciate being in that same bubble. We're all part <laughs> of the same gang now because you've been on out. So <laughs> you're part of the gang. And I would just say to my younger self or anybody else having that kind of experience, I would just say, stay weird. Because <laughs> I love that. What worked for me, all the things that like I got picked on for as a teenager and like well into like for uni and everything are the kind of things that I I am now praised for now. And if I had like changed myself to conform to other people's standards, then I probably wouldn't be nearly as interesting now. And I wouldn't be here talking to you. <laughs> I wouldn't be modeling for these people. I wouldn't be doing any of these things if I had done what everyone told me to do and was to change all the interesting things about me. So I would definitely say stay weird and just keep being you. And in the end, it will work out. <laughs> I love that. That is a perfect way to end the conversation. Yasmin, thank you so, so much. If people want to find out stuff about you, uh, what's your Twitter handle and Instagram? And are you still doing your YouTube channel? 
Uh, every few months I'll drop something on there for the subscribers. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us where we can find you, please. Um, well, most of my socials are at the Yasmin Benoit. So T-H-E-Y-A-S-M-I-N-B-N-O-I-T. Mm-hmm. Um, the Twitter and the Instagram are verified. So, you know, those ones are me. I have YouTube. I throw something on there every now and then. My website is yasminbenoit.co.uk. And they should also check out um, hashtag this is what asexual looks like if you're wondering what asexual people actually look like outside of their emojis and their avatars that's a way to actually see what people are like did you start that this is what asexual looks like i did yes are you i'm using your words before but because you <laughs> wanted to say i'm, I'm not just a potato <laughs> like because people it's about dressing looking in a way that makes you feel great and you it's not to encourage any feelings in anybody else. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the, whenever we do have representation, it's probably going to be very, very limited. The media isn't great at representing us. So I was like, let's just represent ourselves. Mm-hmm. Let's have a way that if you, I mean, if you type asexuality in, you're going to find think pieces and blogs and blocks of text. We don't necessarily going to find people. So I was like, let's actually have a way to see people's faces, lives, experiences, because they might not meet any in real life. So here's a good way to just kind of go through that and be like, okay, this is what the community actually looks like, not just their avatars. I love that. Okay, so that's hashtag, this is what asexual looks like. Yes. Yasmin, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I look forward to maybe meeting you in the post-apocalyptic. Hopefully. Hopefully we can cross paths in real life. Hopefully we can cross paths in some sort of Pride event. But yeah, good luck with everything you do and thanks for chatting to me. Thanks for having me. That was the brilliant Yasmin Benoit. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I really did. I thought it was great. Um, If you want to get in touch, please do. As always, the email is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Feel free. If you love this podcast, feel free to shout about it from the rooftops. That would be really appreciated. And I will be back next week with another episode. But until then, take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.